This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, friends, welcome to All Have Another podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. All right, so we're bringing you the last high school coach in the high school coaching series sponsored by V.02. If you are not in the know about V.02, V.02 is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientists and coach Dr. Jack Daniels. All right, this is a great platform for high school coaches, people coaching adult athletes, everyday runners. And not only does it streamline what you're doing, it is also very accurate and it's a responsible way to train. And guess what? Our coach today on the podcast, I didn't even know this when we booked the episode, he is a regular user of V.02. So that's really cool. If you are a coach wanting to try it out, you can use the code Coach Lindsay to get 20% off your annual subscription. Just go to v.02.com and you can also email info at v.02.com to connect with someone from their amazing team. All right. Well, our coach today is Coach Chuck Schwartz. He is the head cross-country and track coach at the Air Academy. He's been coaching for over 25 years, and he was a very successful athlete himself. He ran at Adams State University, where he was coached under the legendary coach Joe Vigil. He won a national championship in the steeplechase while at Adams State University. He has so many accolades as a coach himself, including 13 individual state champions that he has coached. And most recently, his girls cross country team won the state championship in 2022 in the Colorado 5A division. They were seventh in the United States. Wow, this is so exciting. So they've got a lot to look forward to this year. He actually mentions in the episode that every single member of that team is returning this year. So it's very exciting. We talk a lot about leadership and coaching philosophies in this episode. This is a great one, friends. And thank you to his assistant coach, Kathy Weber, for suggesting him for the episode. All right, friends, if you are enjoying this series, leave us a quick rating and review and share it with your friends on social media so more people can get in on this coaching goodness. Thanks for being here and enjoy my conversation with Chuck Schwartz. All right, well, today on I'll Have Another for the coaching series, we are wrapping up our high school coaching series with Coach Chuck Schwartz. Welcome to the show, Chuck. Hey, thank you. It's good to be here. So, so excited to have you. Your assistant coach, Kathy, actually suggested you for the series. And I had to go through a list of all these people that were suggested for the series. And I came across yours and I thought, oh, I got to talk to this guy. And then I found out that you actually are a VDOT coach. Like you use VDOT in your programming. So that's really cool. Right. Yeah, I'm not technically a VDOT coach, like with the certification, but I use it all the time. I use VDOT all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I worded that strangely. Yeah, I just wanted to be clear that I, yeah. So, cool. Um, Okay, so you were at the Air Academy. Tell us a little bit about the school there. 
Okay. Um, I'm at Air Academy High School here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're located on the United States Air Force Academy. Uh, it's a public high school. It's about 1,400 kids. And uh, this is my eighth year here on this, you know, at this school. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a public school and it basically has the best high school running, um, really, I think in the United States, you know, as far as location, it's a really secure environment, lots of trails, uh, really nice facilities. I mean, we're not, you know, overloaded with, you know, D1 caliber facilities, but we have a nice track and excellent trails and we're right on the side of the mountain. So it's, it's a great place to be. How did you land there? <laughs> it's kind of a long story. So, um, well, I, I coached for 20 years at a high school on the other side of Colorado Springs, Doherty High School, uh, great high school. That's where Adam Goucher went, by the okay. way. Adam Goucher went to uh, Doherty High School. And I came on board right when he was finishing up at Doherty when he graduated. I came in the next year, coached 20 years there, took a little break from coaching, and then met the principal, current principal here at Air Academy at a job fair. Uh, I was on a you know, a couple year break from coaching and teaching and ran into him. And apparently he thought my resume looked okay. And, um, I, yeah, got a job here. And, and so this is my eighth year. So here at Air Academy. Um, yeah, I read somewhere that you always wanted to be a coach and a teacher from a young age. How did you even know that? I feel like we, we don't, we don't know what we really want to do with our lives in high school, but you did. Uh, kind of. I mean, my kids might listen to this and they'll say, dad, you're full of it. Cause I'm always <laughs> trying to reassure them that they don't have to know, you know, but, um, right. Uh, right. Uh, well, really it started, um, probably more in high school and college, but like, um, I mean, I was, um, a latchkey kid when I grew mm. up, you know, I, I, uh, was single mom household. And so I was really involved in sports you know, I was, I was in basketball and baseball, uh, growing up. Um, and then, you know, the coaches were the ones that were really, they had the gym open before school at lunch and after school. And it was just a safe place to hang out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was always in there. And so I don't know, for whatever reason, I just really loved athletics and loved what coaches did for me. And as I moved, you know, into college, I really, you know, just fell in love with the whole idea of being a teacher and a coach and, um, you know, had some great mentors, um, uh, that made a big difference in my life. And so I, you know, that's really all I've ever wanted to be. And so, yeah, I guess you could say I'm, I'm living the dream. Do you remember like any of those coaches specifically and things that they said to you or did for you that just changed the trajectory of your life? Maybe that's a big statement, but helped you be who you are today. No, that's, that's a great question. Um, well, I, I had a middle school coach, um, in basketball and actually he was a, a, it was a small town that I was in. And so a lot of the coaches coached multiple sports. And so I coach Hawkins, um, he was, um, you know, probably about the first impacting coach I had in middle school and high school. And, um, really, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but he really just instilled in me that if you, if you work really hard, that you can accomplish, you know, you can accomplish your goals, you can accomplish your dreams. And, you know, it was, it was probably put to me a lot, you know, a lot, uh, gruffer than, mm. you know, 2023, like, you know, um, 
But yeah, mm-hmm. Coach Hawkins. And then probably fast forward up to uh, college. Um, I was coached by Joe Hill at Adams State. And, and Coach Hill, I mean, he was like a father to a lot of us. And um, he was the first individual, I think, that really looked at me and said, hey, you, I have no doubt that you can be a national champion or, you know, like he's the first guy that looked at me and said, hey, you've got as much or more talent than anybody in our program. And nobody had ever really saw me like that before. And um, I don't know, that that really made a big impact on me. The power of a coach is amazing. And uh, so those two individuals, I think, had, you know, big impact, big impact on my life. Yeah, Coach V Hill has been, you know, talked about a lot on this podcast. And right. for those listening that have read Dina Castor's book, he was yep, her coach. It. Did you know when he coached you at Adam State? Was he a huge deal already? He was. Um, he became probably more of a factor. Um, well, he started to become a factor like in the 1968 Olympics. He hosted a high altitude. He hosted the Olympic trials in Alamosa and really from 68 through, um, the 19 early 1990s, he, um, hosted lots and lots of, uh, high altitude camps for international teams. Um, I got to be a part of some of those. I mean, I wasn't, you know, in there slugging it out with gold medalists or anything, but I was there, you know, like I was there. And so, yeah, he was definitely a world I mean, I would say mostly he's a physiologist, a coach, but I mean, he was probably one of the first, one of the first real experts on altitude training mm. from proximity, you know. Uh, and if you read his book, um, there's a there's a new autobiography, oh, teammate yeah. of mine wrote. Uh, Pat Malgaris wrote that book, and that'll give you a good idea on coaches, Coach Feehill's, you know, life and work. Did you go to Adam State because of him? I did. Yes. Um, I was uh, living in Arkansas at the time, going to college at um, University of Arkansas at Monticello. And that was mainly a sprint dominated program. Um, and I tell my athletes now, uh, I tell them, hey, I, had a, I essentially had a full ride there. Um, I wasn't a sprinter. I was a distance runner, but um, they needed distance runners. <laughs> um, and one of the previous uh, well, a graduate alumni from that college had gone on to be a graduate assistant, Damon Martin, who's now the coach, um, at Adam state. Um, he basically, I, I knew him and he just said, Hey, you're going to have to come here. <laughs> I mean, we've got, we've got a coach here that's out of this world. And so I basically packed up everything. I was 19 years old, packed up everything I could fit in my car, a little Dodge Colt, didn't even see the college, just I knew Coach Vigil was there, so I drove. First time I saw the campus was when I pulled up, and I knew Coach Vigil was there, so that was good enough. So Wait, so you it. gave up a full ride to go to Adam State? Yeah, more or less. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, this was 1986, so a full ride was, you know, I mean, it was a smaller college, an NAI school, and uh, I mean, I, I had an academic and an athletic scholarship, um, and um, yeah, most of my college was paid for, and so I, I walked on at Adam State. So I left a program that I was on scholarship for, and the rules weren't quite the same in 1986. Um, I had to sit out a semester, but I, yeah, I walked on. <laughs> so Wow. Yeah. It sounds similar 
to Dina's story with Coach V Hill because I haven't read her book mm-hmm. in several years, but there is a part. Have you read her book, Let Your Mind I have, Run? yes. Yeah. She tells the story of how she just packed up and she's like, yeah. I'm here. I want you to be my coach. And I think she yeah. was the only female in the group yeah. at that point. But there must be yeah. something magnetic about him. Yeah, I think so. Like, um, he sent me a letter. You know, and I still have the letter in a scrapbook. If I'd have known we were talking about it, I'd have got Aww. the letter out. But, um, and he just, it was really quick. He scribbled it out by hand. And, um, you know, as lofty as Coach V Hill is, he definitely has a few minutes for everybody. Mm. And I think uh, part of it comes from the fact that, you know, he grew up very poor and um, he likes helping people that have they don't have much, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that would doesn't describe Dina or myself very well, but, um, I think it makes the point that, uh, yeah, it, it, he, if I recall from her book, I, I want to say she, she had some conversations with him mm-hmm. and, you know, and just packed up and, and came out there and he does have that kind of effect on people. Mm-hmm. So you went on to be a national champion in the steeplechase. Under I, him. Yes. Yeah. I, I was a national champion in 1988. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. I when I read that I was like, when did the like when did steeplechase even become a thing? I was like, you had to be one of the first. <laughs> no, it's a little <laughs> older than that. I don't feel How that old, old yet. <laughs> so, um, to be honest, the, the the history of the event, I'm not completely familiar with it, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty. I think it was fairly well established. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm, I'm exactly thinking sure. of it as like an Olympic event. Yeah. Because it yeah, hasn't no. been that long that it's been an Olympic event, has it? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that probably has it dialed in and, yeah, and yeah. is probably wondering. But I, I think it's been around a while, you know, but that's a great question. I'll, I'll look it up at some point. So, yeah. But no, it was around. And I, the funny thing about the steeplechase is like, I kind of fell into it. You know, here I was a walk on, right? And Adam State had a really great team. Like, uh, by the time I was done, I mean, there were four guys on the team that broke four minutes in the mile. And one of my teammates ran 28, 20 for 10,000 meters and another guy, 13, 46 for 5,000 meters. And so like when I was, you know, a sophomore, um, basically we we're talking about how do, how do you travel? Like what was the travel standards? And, um, and basically coach just took the top three, you know, top three athletes in each event. And, mm. and I, just realized that there were only two guys that ran the steeplechase <laughs> and so he's like all right anybody and it, it literally happened like this you know who who's interested in running the steeplechase and I was like I'll do it <laughs> and um yeah and then a couple years later I ended up winning the national championship now that was it took some time yeah you know, a lot of a lot of falls a lot of hard work but uh yeah just kind of fell into it because I I wanted to travel wow so, that's yeah. so cool yeah. um you mentioned the coach earlier that, you know, talked a lot about hard work and how yeah. that um, you can, you know, achieve your goals if you work hard. And then you brought up mm-hmm. like in 2023, it's not quite so harsh. And I'm yes. like how we word things, like everything has Correct. to be a little more gentle, whatever. Sure. I'm curious, like, how do you communicate with your athletes about that in 2023? Mm-hmm. And has it changed over time over uh, the years you've been coaching? Well, I've never talked to kids the way my coaches talk to me, <laughs> you know, and coach V Hill wasn't, you know, he was not a, uh, I mean, he was a very positive man. Like he, he, um, 
I mean, he wasn't afraid to tell you what you needed to hear. But in, in my high school years, I mean, I was coached by a lot of football coaches and a lot of, um, and, and again, this isn't, you know, don't be offended if you're a football coach. It's been 1980, early 1980s, you know, I mean, made, they made it really clear, you know, if your behavior was in the winner category or the loser category. Mm. And I just heard a lot of, Hey, you want to be a winner, right? Schwartz, you know, and, and that kind of aspect, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, communicating a lot of running, a lot of running for punishment in high school. Mm. I mean, I, that was just a constant. That's how I, I figured out I was a decent track athlete is because I got run all the time in basketball. So, <laughs> yeah. What's your strategy? If someone were to say, and maybe this is a, would be a great question for one of your athletes, but like, how does coach Schwartz talk to us about hard work? And also, you know, this is such an important factor, high school kids having fun, because yes. obviously if we're having fun, we're going to hopefully become lifelong runners. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you communicate those things to your kids? I mean, I try to be more inspiring. You know, I tell them a lot of stories, you know, about people who've succeeded and, um, you know, I mean, we, we talk a lot at practice about, you know, again, why we're doing what we're doing, but also just in the big picture of it, you know, how, um, you know, like, here's a good example. Like, um, this year we selected, uh, a mission statement for our team. Uh, the coaching staff and I did, uh, and that is that we want to use the platform of running to help every athlete, uh, to, um, again, develop mentally and physically to be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, to go along with that, we came up with a, what we call our daily challenge. And, um, and really what that says is, is do my habits, do they match up with my goals? And so, um, that's just something we want to challenge the athletes and it's early season. So we, we still have a lot of work to do in that, but just reminding athletes that, um, the little things add up and, you know, whatever it is, it's doing the abs and the core workout at the end of practice. If it's warming up properly, nutrition, sleep, all of that is is super important. And, um, that's one aspect of it is, you know, just, again, just emphasizing, the detail and the structure of what it takes to be a champion, but also just, I feel like, um, you know, a kid knows if you believe in them or not. And if you challenge them, um, and if you, uh, constantly communicate what you see in them and, and, and you have to make that effort to see something in that, that athlete, um, and, and, and challenge them. But yeah, I mean, we just really try to inspire them. And, and I definitely don't yell at the kids and make them run, uh, when they're <laughs> run not, more. When, when their habits aren't matching their goals. I mean, it's, you know, we don't make them run more. Um, yeah, but so hopefully that answers that question somewhat. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know you emphasize leadership a lot and it's really important uh-huh. to have those upperclassmen be leaders on a team and right. How do you pinpoint the leaders or encourage certain athletes to be the leaders? Because some people are natural leaders and some people need, you can see it in them, but they need a little nudge. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, Well, I've been coaching 28 years and some years I've done that really well. Other years I look back and realize, you know, I could have done a better job at that. Um, I think, um, you know, one, you, you have to look at how a kid 
or an athlete better, better yet an athlete, how an athlete leads, mm-hmm. you know, do they lead by example? Do they, are they more vocal, you know? And like, I have several athletes on, on say, say for instance, on, on our team that they do a great job of leading by example. Like they are just really very disciplined. They're at practice on time. They go through everything um, that we ask them and more. Um, and they don't really say very much. Uh, but I try to encourage those athletes to be more vocal, you know, mm-hmm. and to, to um, um, you know, definitely speak up, you know, when you need to. And then on my more, more vocal athletes, I definitely, um, you know, reinforce if, if I feel like, you know, they're um, addressing issues on the team that need to be addressed, you know, definitely reinforce that or um, help um, help them navigate on, hey, hey, here's maybe a better strategy to help the younger, you know, kids. Um, like a good example would be like we have a problem. This is a great problem to have. I mean, a lot of our younger athletes, they, they work too hard. Mm. They really, you know, they try to sneak in some extra miles and stuff. They're really super competitive. And, and so I have to tell a lot of the upperclassmen, hey, you know, just keep an eye on them. Make sure that they're not overdoing it and and relay your story to them. Let them know, hey, you know, I was your age and I, I know it's easy, but it's it's not going to help you to do too much uh, and to just be a good teammate. And so those are just a couple strategies. We also have a program here at um, Air Academy we're starting called Lead Them Up. And it's, it's again, a leadership program that we're just really launching it. And that's got some specific activities for team building. And I know it's a high school uh, program that they work with all sports. And so we're really trying to, you know, really intentionally um, help build leaders on our sports teams here. So that's going to be a more organized structure approach. So, so is that, is that program, who's doing that? Like who's leading that? Uh, lead them up is, you know, again, I, I can't remember the, um, <laughs> this sound bad. I can't remember exactly the, the rep okay. that came around, but it's an organized okay. program, but yeah, it's a, a structured organization. You can look it up, lead them up. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, they basically come out and, and challenge the team and really it's just a way of rewarding and recognizing when an athlete has done something that's positive you know, you, you say that they're basically on the, on the green team, you know, mm. and, and, uh, you know, you just, just, um, give them a, um, a, a little sticker and you, uh, call them out on social media, you know, like, uh, on the school website on, on here's some green, green team leaders, uh, that we have this week, but, and we're just launching that on the cross country team, you know, this year. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then what about like your younger classmen? Like, are you kind of watching them to say like okay when when they're seniors or juniors I can see this person being the person that's gonna step in for our graduating seniors that are leading yeah definitely and um and you you definitely see the cumulative effect like when you graduate a lot of seniors like Mm. you really do have it's not void of leadership, but you just have to get other people to step up. And I think part of that is, is getting those younger athletes involved right away. Um, you know, getting them, um, and, and part of that just involves, I I mean, it's going to sound weird, but almost like training, like kids today, athletes today, they don't really necessarily, uh, know how to lead. And they, they see that leadership is sometimes more of a popularity contest. Like we don't have team captains. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have a team captain, like, because that tends to be, 
I mean, I'm not saying it, it is 100%, but it can be a popularity contest. But we do have team leadership, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really identifying those kids that are younger and um, definitely empowering them where we can. Um, and, and uh, you know, getting with them, getting building a relationship with them. And, um, um, yeah, as they they grow up through the program is, is letting them know that, Hey, your, your opinion really matters. You, you were just a freshman, but we need to hear from you. You know, you can be a leader at any age. So yeah. So really just encouraging that. Hey coaches, if you are looking for a great way to work with your athletes, look no further than V.O2. This is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary physiologist and coach Dr. Jack Daniels. Jack spent his life researching how runners get faster. And one of his major findings was that running more or faster in your workouts doesn't always mean better results. VDOT workouts promote healthy, responsible, and beneficial sessions while simultaneously preventing overtraining. Chuck, in this episode, is a user of VDOT himself. I use VDOT myself. And I cannot say enough great things about it. Not only does it save you time, it elevates your coaching. You can try it out. Use the code Coach Lindsay to get 20% off your annual subscription at v.o2.com. And you can email the team, info at v.o2.com, to learn more and connect with someone on their team. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Coach Chuck Schwartz. I'm curious too. So you coach, do you coach the men's and the women's team? I do. Yeah. I coach, I'm the head coach of the boys and girls uh, cross country here at Air Academy. Okay. So then what about like, I always have to ask this question about the women and, you know, going through body changes and things like that. How do you guys talk to your team about that? Well, I mean, I have two female assistants, you know, too. So I think we, we definitely, we don't talk much about that. I mean, I know it sounds like, I mean, if we definitely involve the parents a lot, you know, like if, if we've got, um, issues that are affecting, you know, athletes like eating and things, we keep it really confidential, but we, you know, we talk to parents and then we have a, a female trainer on staff here. That's and great. so we, we really, you know, we stay off of, um, any issues with body weight and things like that. And, but we, um, you know, we address, um, issues like, like eating and, and things like that. And anything like if it presents itself as a problem, we, we definitely use, go to their parents first yeah, and, yeah. and talk to them like that. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a, a big thing. And I think with younger athletes, you just really have to watch the workload you have them do like I get a lot of athletes here that they've been running since they were really young and you just have to be really careful especially when they're still growing and a lot of times when they get to be a sophomore and junior you know they'll go through a, a growth spurt and you just have to help help them realize that they've got to let their body you know they sort of have to catch up you know mm. like they're gonna in some ways their efficiency and running economy is going to be affected by that and you just have to be compassionate and and help them along with their parents understand that, you know, running is when you change, you know, like when you grow, um, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your racing performances and uh, might make you more prone to injury. And and so we try to involve the parents as much as possible with those things. So, 
Yeah, I'm curious. You've been coaching longer than you've been a parent, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, I have. How old are your um, kids? I have a 18-year-old, um, a 16-year-old, I have a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so has becoming a parent or and or watching your own kids be the age of the kids you coach have you like do you see it through a different lens now do you view it you know I feel like once you become a parent you think okay if this were my kid what would I do oh it's huge like um I feel like I'm a much better coach now that I'm a parent yeah you know and I know a lot of people at least some colleagues of mine, as they've had children, they've sort of phased out of coaching. Mm -hmm. And I've taken a few breaks here and there when my kids were really little, but um, it's made me a much better coach. You know, and it's also, I I feel like made me um, a lot more compassionate about parenting and and my parents uh, that I have. We have, we have a great parent um, community around our cross country program. They're really, wonderful and involved. And, um, I feel like me being a parent has, has been a huge, huge, um, uh, boost for my coaching. And, um, I can't, I I can just, just look at the results. I mean, the results are certainly a lot better now that I'm, I've been a parent and maybe it's age experience. uh, I think part of it is just, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm learning more. Um, so yeah, definitely great question. We talked offline a little bit this before you, you know, read all of Jack Daniels books and you're Uh constantly educating yourself. Like, right. There's always new information to learn. So I'm curious, like you've been in this long enough, but how do you keep yourself excited to, you know, like unveil something new or try something different? Okay. Um, well, I mean, I read a lot of, um, personal growth books, you know, like I, I, I spend a lot of time reading. That's one of my main hobbies. And so, you know, like I, um, let's see here. Let me just give you a few examples. Like Jocko Willinks, ah, um, uh-huh. um, help me out here. It's, Is um, that extreme ownership. Yeah. Extreme ownership. I read that book. Uh, that was great. Um, I read David Goggins book. Um, that's going to be, um, Help me out here. Like I'm, I'm blanking out on it. I actually read that one twice. Um, I, I listened to that on audio. Do you ever feel yeah. like with him though, you're like, sometimes it's too intense. Like we can't all live like that. Oh yeah. Well, and <laughs> plus, you know, I don't really recommend my runners run on broken, a broken leg, you know, and I, I I'm not a Navy seal. And, and so, but yeah, it's going to be, um, you can't hurt me, right? You can't hurt me. That's can't it. hurt me. But I mean, yeah. the lessons though yeah. are, great you know like they like I take from it what I can so um so like those are just two examples I also read um um this summer I I read Steve Magnus's The Science of Running Mm -hmm. I reread Jack Daniel's uh Running Formula um and those really make me think um you know and and so I'm always I have audible as well so I listen to a lot of books and so I always try to challenge myself to grow like as a, as a 56 year old, um, I'm trying to grow as a person and I'm trying to grow as a coach. Mm. And so that's really, really, it is just the same things. I, well, the same way I learned from physiologists that were really impacting to me, like, you know, coach Hill and like my graduate school teacher, Jack Ranson, who's like, he's one of the 
uh, best physiologist I've really met, Dr. Jack Daniels. Um, you know, learning that, the science of running, but also learning uh, how do I grow as a person? And I, as a coach, you know, if I'm not growing as a person, then, well, let's just put it this way. As I grow as a person, I notice that my athletes grow exponentially just because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I challenge them more and I'm a better role model. So, yeah, you can tell when someone's evolving and growing and learning and it rubs off on you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. You mentioned yep. the habits earlier and I was thinking, did he read Atomic Habits? Yeah, I have that up on <laughs> Audible. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's probably going to have to, to, to go down this year. So yeah. Yeah. I yep. had just read the book Essentialism uh-huh. when I started Atomic Habits and I was like, it was too much of the same thing. So I put it down. I had checked it out from the library and I, I sure. think I want to go back to it still. Right. Um, right. Cause I've heard really, really good things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So when you're in a community, I remember where I grew up, like people would move to be where like the good high school is. Are kids, families like trying to go to the air Academy? What does that look like? Um, you know, I mean, I think Colorado Springs is, is really blessed with a lot of really good schools. So I mean, some, some are, I mean, I, I think our, our running program is pretty good here. Yeah. And so we, we do like Colorado Springs does have choice, you know, you can, uh, and I don't know all the ins and outs of it. Like, like we definitely don't recruit athletes, but okay. I mean, air Academy is located on the air force Academy. It is a great place to train. So we, we do get runners that, you know, if, if they're like moving in, like they might, do their homework and, and say, Hey, this looks like a great place to go to school. Um, but yeah, I'd say that air Academy high school is, is definitely one of the best here in Colorado Springs. It's uh, got some great, a lot of AP programs and, um, a great junior ROTC program. So it's, it's definitely, um, a top high school. Um, and we've got a lot of other top high schools in the area as well. So it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a good spot to be. So let's talk about in 2022 that your girls cross country team became state champions and seventh in the United States. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes that, you know, I have to remind myself, wake up, you know, because, because they definitely, they just killed it last year. So, wow. That's the most recent cross-country season you've had. You know, I talked to Lori Hennis about this at NC State after winning uh-huh. national championships. Yeah. Like, how do you come back from that? And how do you, like, you know, like, do you have a target on your back? And I can't re- repeat what she said because I would never say it well. But I just sure. loved her answer of, like, we're just still competing to be the best. And um, we're not viewing it as, like, we have a target on our back. But I'm curious, like, how are you mentally going into this new season in 2023? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm old enough to where I've, I've made those mistakes before, you know, where I, I, um, I think I, well, like, here's a good example. When I was in college at the year after I won nationals, I, I really over-prepared the next year. I got, mm-hmm. I wanted to repeat, really worked too hard and ended up getting injured. And I think that, you know, those setbacks, we definitely learn you know, we should learn from them. And, um, you know, so my attitude going into this season is, you know, we just need to keep doing the little things. Well, uh, we need to grow, um, 
methodically and slowly, like I'm always emphasizing patience. Like, you know, one of my top athletes is Bethany Mahalik and, and we're constantly talking about be patient, be patient, you know, like, um, whatever we're doing, like, let's, let's make sure that we, um, if we raise our volume, let's do it patiently. You know, if we're going to add intensity, let's do it patiently. And so focusing on, on, again, doing the things that you did to get there, uh, to win that first state title. And then, um, you know, again, I think adjusting, growing where you need to, whether it's physical, mental, uh, but, um, not focusing on the winning aspect of it, mm. but on doing the best job we possibly can. Cause we can't control what everybody else does. You know, we can control what we do and trying to keep the pressure off because I know, you know, in today's world with social media, they really feel that pressure and they don't need to feel it from me. Mm. Uh, there's already enough on them. And so, um, that's probably, you know, at least, a flyby, you know, discussion on that, that, um, really not, I mean, changing things, doing things better, but making sure that we're not focused on, you know, not seeing a target on our back, but yet, um, making sure we're focused on what's super important. And that's, you know, again, to do the best job possible, um, be mindful of the big picture. You know, it's not just all about high school as a runner, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a lot of running left to do. We're not here to just get everything we can out of you. We're here to help you grow as a person, you know, um, and, uh, do the best job you can. And then, you know, um, obviously set you up for, for future successes down the road. And so, you know, and I was just having that conversation with an athlete the other day, don't forget the big picture. You know, you, this, it isn't all about high school. How many of your team members are back on the team this year from the state championship team? Uh, all of them actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't graduate any from our, wow. our varsity seven. Yeah. So that's we, kind of exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Wow. So we're, we're really, um, you know, trying to make sure that, um, you know, the kids don't feel the pressure on it, but yeah, they're, they're back. So, wow. Yep. Tell me about, I never thought to ask this with the other coaching interviews. And mm -hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, you know, when I was in high school, I was usually anywhere between runner number four and runner number seven, depending right. on like, you know, who I was that day Sure, sure. <laughs> as a 16 year old. Yeah. Um, but man, that those last couple spots really like going back and forth, like that's high stress, man. Like, how do you deal with that? It is. Well, the first thing I do is I tell the team and I told the parents that I've been that person before. You know, I've been that person before. But, you know, we have a, a selection criteria that is really thorough. Like we don't just look at one race. We mm. look at the whole season. Okay. And we For also your starters take, like. Yeah. The top this year? seven. Yeah. Yeah, we really look at every aspect of it. And, you know, we go week by week as best we can. You know, like we don't race kids every week, but we also fill that varsity with our with a, a certain pecking order. Um, but, yeah, it's it can be really stressful. And, I mean, but I've been that eighth runner, you know, when I was at Adams State. Mm -hmm. And I got left home, you know, twice, you know, for, for nationals. And so I, I fully understand how disappointing it is. And so I think, um, we just try to be very thorough and have really clear expectations on what it takes to make the team. 
and what it takes to represent Air Academy at that level. And, um, and so, yeah, they do feel a lot of pressure. So, yeah, that's so hard. Um, mm-hmm. well, cause I remember in high school, we, you know, I, we were not as a serious of program as, as you guys mm-hmm. are based on you winning the state championship, but I'm just like, it was just week to week. If you were in the top yeah. seven, that, that you got knocked off if you weren't in the top seven, you know, it was just week to week to week. So you don't right. necessarily do it that way. Um, somewhat, but not, not completely like, um, you know, we have, you know, if, if an athlete is really is older and they've really proven themselves, um, you know, it's not like we give them special privileges, but we might sit them down, you know, mm-hmm. like for a few meets. Cause I mean, you, you don't want to over race. It's really easy to over race an athlete. Um, and it's also really a possibility for our younger athletes. Um, really what we do is we select three or four of the highest profile races that we, we feel like are, you know, they're the ones where we can get the best look at all of our kids. And, um, you know, we factor that into part of our team selection process, you know, um, and we, we, I mean, we don't, we'll do a mathematical average, but we'll also look at extenuating circumstances, you know, like, was this athlete injured and so forth. And then at the end of the the day, you know, when we get to regionals and state, you know, it does sometimes come down to, you know, which athlete, you know, really is going, deserves to be there and has, is going to do the best job. And sometimes it is really close. Mm. And it, luckily for us at regionals, we run nine, Okay. And so oftentimes that regional race will sort out your, your seven for state, but you know, you, you can't rule out the fact that maybe one kid has a bad day on that because they're sick. Right. And so that's where you just really have to, yeah, just be really careful with your selection process. And, and if you've looked at these athletes for weeks, um, you know, you're looking for that athlete who's really worked hard, who's consistent and, um, sometimes you have to make that choice and you know you unfortunately you just can't take eight to the state meet um one gets to be the alternate and you know and and that's where again i try to remind the athlete hey you know i've been where you're at i understand how you feel um don't forget the big picture it isn't about it isn't all about this one race and we've got to think about things larger than ourselves. and and that you know again is tough but I feel like that's the truth, you know, that's the truth. And, and I think that, you know, athletes really need to hear that, you know, what's true. And, um, but we also have to do it with some compassion, you know, it's like, I remember when I got left home at Adam state, it was just kind of like, you know, Hey, Schwartz, you're staying home. And I remember just, <laughs> all right, I'll deal with that, you know, but I didn't argue with coach V Hill. Um, so Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like what, how do you handle those heartbreaking conversations? It's very difficult. It's not, it's not one of my favorite aspects (laughs) of it, but I think as a coach, you really have to, um, I mean, one, you, you have to do it and you have to learn from how you do it. And there is a, a, um, I don't know, like there, there's a way you can do it compassionately and you can remind the athlete of the good picture and their value for the team and, and so forth. But, uh, it's never an easy conversation, but it also, you know, we, we do it as a staff too. Mm. Like, it's not just me, mm-hmm. like there's three of us, you know, there's myself, coach Weber and coach Dumkey, 
and we'll sit down and really look at it, you know. But fortunately, um, a lot of years it, it does resolve itself. I mean, it is cross country. Yeah. But when you get a really deep team, it can be really, really difficult. So, yeah. So you use VDOT to program your workouts. I, I, I use VDOT a lot, you know. What do like you do? I, I, How do you use it? Um, well, basically, you know, the, the training system I use, um, I use kind of a combination. Do you, do you mind if I sort of explain how it all fits together? Yeah, Um, I'd love that. So, um, okay. So I, I use a lot of, um, you know, Joe V Hill's, um, aspects of his training system, uh, which is, um, you know, again, that, that, that's, that would be in a category I I would kind of call reference point training. Okay. Um, I use, um, um, a lot of stuff from Dr. Jack Daniels, which, I mean, we'll call that the VDOT category. Um, I do use a lot of um, multi-tier training, which is um, uh, Dave Martin and uh, Peter Coe. It's an older um, system that was used by Sebastian Coe, but it's basically multi-tier training. And it was really popular in the 80s. And, and so I don't use all aspects of any one system, but I I use parts of it. And then I I use a lot of what I learned from Arthur Lydiard, um, studying Arthur Lydiard literature. And, and so I, I kind of just over the years have borrowed from each um, and uh, kind of combine that with like the most recent book I read, you know, Steve Magnus, The Science of Running. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to just say it's just about his book, but I mean, he really challenges the coaches thinking that, you know, hey, don't be, you know, um, don't be just a um, confined to one system, uh, but consider the athlete that you're working with and what race are they preparing for, you know? And so really what, whatever aspect of the system I'm using um, really it's geared towards, you know, the athletes I'm working with as individualizing as best we can, but what, what race are we preparing for? Whether it's, you know, five kilometers, state cross country or, you know, state track, um, the way I use VDOT, VDOT is a great tool for high school coaches because it, 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 it's basically, um, if you use the VDOT app and you use the principles of it, it's, it's a really a good way to individualize quickly. I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, you know, to individualize, but I mean, it gives you tools to do a better job of individualizing your training with different athletes. Now, the one drawback with it is that with high school students, I mean, VDOT is, is based on an athlete's PR. Mm. And so, um, their VDOT level, like just, a, you can plug in what their PR is. Um, and so you don't really know exactly sometimes if that athlete has achieved that PR. So you have to use a lot of intuition, you know, like if, if I'm, if this kid's run 17 minutes, you know, I might think, I think they could run more like 1640. They're just, they haven't put it together yet. And so I'll take a look at the VDOT values and, I'll kind of put that in there for their workout and say, Hey, I want you to run this intensity today, but it just allows me to set the intensities for, for certain workouts. And usually it's a starting intensity. Like I'll, like a good example would be Bethany. I'll say, Hey, I want you to start out at V dot, um, threshold pace and then work into, you know, V dot interval pace. And then, uh, I don't know, we like, we'll do a lot of race pace training as well and stuff. So, um, that's just a good tool for a high school coach. And, and I feel like I've got a, a lot of them from great coaches. So, 
Yeah, I was going to say also with cross country, it's like every course is so different. So like oh, yeah. the times are just kind of like whatever. <laughs> and in Colorado, you have different altitudes. And yeah. so it's it's really, you have to use a lot of intuition and you just have to really, you know, study your sport. And the, the more you, the more systems you study, the more athletes you study, I feel like the more you're able to do that with your own. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it goes back to that, you know, be a student. Like here I, I had, you know, all of these uh, systems that I have been studying for years. And then I read Steve Magnus's book this summer and it kind of just said, Hey, you know, at least one of the things I got out of it was, uh, don't confine yourself to one system. Yeah. Um, what about when a kid at practice, like you, you've got kids, I'm sure that overwork kids that are probably about right where they should be. And then the kids that you can see aren't working as hard as you know, they could, Oh yeah. How do you have, <laughs> have those conversations? Uh, that's a good question. I think a lot of it depends on the individual yeah. and you know, if the athlete really, let's just start with the individual that's not really working very hard, you know, what's their motivation? You know, like what, yeah. why are they there? And it's not like you have a, you know, it's not like you, you go to the athlete and you have a critical conversation. Like, why are you here? It's more like, you know, what are they here for? Are they here just to be, make friends? you know, and, and maybe it's okay for them to jog three miles. But I think the idea is if you understand what, why that athlete's there and if they just want to lose weight or get in shape, or I have a lot of ROTC boys that they, they really want to get in really good shape. And so I think just challenge them like with that, like just say, Hey, you know, um, because I mean, it's kind of hard to be like on a, maybe a JV level athlete Mm -hmm. on a team that's full of really good runners. It's a difficult place to be from a kid's standpoint. And so I think, you know, one, you just have to understand why an athlete's there and that may not be a bad thing. Um, but just try to encourage them, you know, Hey, Hey, we can, um, you know, we can work a little harder out here. We can get in better shape or we can, whatever goal you have, we can get there. And then with, um, the athlete that works too hard, you know, unfortunately, a lot of athletes don't learn that lesson until they've overtrained. But I, I spend a, I mean, I, I like, like just this last week, uh, we were doing a, a repeat thousands. Um, and I had to force my athletes to, you're going to run threshold for the first three. Cause they would go out too I, hard. Yeah. And I, I gave them ranges. They're like, coach, this is too slow. And I'm like, I want you to stay here. Okay. Like we want, we need to learn what true threshold is. And then I, you know, we were doing five and, and so I I made them stay at threshold for three and then I let them open up and run interval pace or faster for the the last two. But, you know, you do have to, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but you do have to um, corral them somewhat and prevent that overtraining. But again, sometimes they don't learn, you know, and Mm -hmm. so they really, you know, they, they'll end up, just overdoing it where they can and they just really, but, but I mean, that's also recognized too, that I did it. I was a chronic overtrainer. Yeah. And you know, you want to help them learn that lesson and, and just help them see that. And, and I think your, your, the athletes on your team are your best resource there. If you're upperclassmen, if they can help, you know, by talking to the younger athletes and just saying, Hey, you know, um, just, just be patient. That's probably your best, your best way of approaching that. 
So, but it's difficult. It really is. Um, okay. Last question about uh-huh. coaching and then we'll yeah. have to wrap up within a podcast. Sure. I know so many people struggle with nerves and that's probably a big thing with high school athletes. I mean, I talk to people in their thirties and forties and fifties who are running marathons for fun that struggle with their nerves. You know, they're trying to run fast, but you know, different kind of competition. What kind of conversations do you have with your kids about that? I have a lot of conversations with my athletes about nerves. Um, I think it, a good coach really needs to be a good sports psychologist. Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that, you know, there is no like, um, there's no set formula, but, but number one, the athlete really needs to know that you genuinely care. You know, I don't know what that little saying is. Like, um, I, I heard it on a commercial, you know, the other day, but something about like, um, well, well, anyway, they need to know you care. Right. Like that, that, Hey, you're, you're not, you don't think less of them, you know, cause I got kids at home that really have confidence, you know, struggles and they're, 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 uh, afraid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes the competition and things like that. And so that's number one is they really need to know that you care and it does take a compassionate approach, but, um, that, that you're not abnormal, you know, that, um, but I, I really think too, you know, just in looking at, um, like looking at sports psychology, like, um, understanding, you know, some principles like, you know, I was taught the inverted U by coach Vihel. And actually, you know, I had a really great, um, some really great teachers at Adam state, you know, with sports psychology and physiology and, um, and just understanding that, you know, like, like, we all come into uh, a pre-race performance at different levels, right? And if you look at um, an inverted U, at the apex of it is going to be your optimal performance level, hmm. okay? And if you're a person that's always hyped about running, it's a good likelihood you don't need a lot of stimulus before a race, okay? And so you're, you're probably going to be better off with um, a little bit of distraction, leading up to that, you know, whatever it is, you know, like if it, when I was in college, I used to listen to Def Leppard hysteria, you know, all this stuff and get really amped up. And then I found out that wasn't working so well. Cause I was, you know, were uh, you already amped? Is I that was why? already, I was beyond, I mean, I was, you know, they had to have a new category for where I was. Coach Veal had to sit me down <laughs> and make me read Shakespeare. Like he would quiz me on that going to meets. So to I tell my you. athletes, yeah, I tell my athletes that and they don't believe it. And I'm like, it's true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just realizing that, you know, uh, some athletes are pretty laid back and they might need a little more stimulus. So if you go in front of your athletes and every practice is this, you know, speech about, you know, how you need to run through a wall today. You need to like, you need to realize the impact of what that's doing to all the kids. Like, like there's a kid somewhere that's in that group that's taking you seriously and they may need, you know, to be a little bit further down Mm. on that. And so it just takes, um, you know, it does take a little bit of, uh, sports psychology, but, uh, with the group, and realizing that, that everybody's going to be a little different spot there, but also, you know, just reassuring your athlete one-on-one or, or in a small group, um, that, um, focus on what you can do, 
you know, a good example last year before regionals, all of our girls were sick. I mean, mm. I'm not kidding. I think all seven were wow. sick and we were, we were running up against Valor Christian, which both, we were both ranked nationally. And I just told the girls, I said, Hey ladies, you know, just go out there and focus on what you can do. You know, take a conservative approach, um, lay back a little bit and close hard at the end, but let's not worry about this. Let's just do the best we can hundred percent. Just forget about worrying, just focus on that. And we ended up winning the meet. Um, wow. and then, you know, the, a week later we ended up winning the state championship by a pretty, pretty decent margin. And so like, I, I we could have folded, you know, and that would have set the tone for the state meet. But I think the idea is just remind kids of the truth, remind athletes of the truth that, you know, at the end of the day, if you fail, I mean, it's all right. <laughs> like you just, we'll regroup on Monday. You know, it's, it's, we, we need to realize that we're not superhuman. We're not Captain Marvel. You know, we, we just, we have to, um, uh, we're human. And so I feel like that's the best thing is remind them of the truth constantly mm. that, you know, it's, that's not our goal, you know, to, to do poorly, but if that poor performance comes, you know, we're going to put it behind us and, and we're going to learn from it. We're going to move on, but you know, don't be afraid of that. You know, and, and so I feel like that's just a few things I've learned and that some recent things that, that are some examples of of how I've helped kids talk them off uh, the ledge, if you will, uh, before <laughs> a race. So uh, hopefully that helps answer your question. Yeah, for sure. I know it's so interesting, like who gets nervous and who doesn't get nervous. And over the years, even talking to all these professional athletes, like some of them have had to work really hard on this and some of them, it just kind of comes naturally to not like everybody gets a little bit nervous, but they do. Um, we tend to like you were talking about that inverted U. I like that picture mm -hmm. of that. We mm -hmm. we land somewhere on that, right? Yeah, we're we're optimal or over and we're beyond, you know. And so I think the idea is individually, everybody's different, and everybody prepares differently. You know, whether you have your lucky socks or your mm. pre race music. Um, you need to find what works for you. And, and my coach, Coach Vigil, had to actually order me to start reading Shakespeare. Like, that's what he told me. And I remember that's sitting, so I remember still remember the conversation. I, I got on the bus with him and he was listening to Pavarotti and I was listening to heavy metal. <laughs> and he, he told me that my music was garbage, you know, because um, <laughs> I asked him what he was listening to. And if only I could have that bus ride back, you know, because, uh, I mean, who, how would I have known a couple hours with Coach Vijo, you know, would have had such an impact. And then he started telling me, he says, and another thing, Schwartz, he says, you think about running constantly. And then he proceeded to tell me how my subconscious was running a race every day and how I was exhausted huh. by the time I got to race time. And so he said, I want you to read Shakespeare. You go get Shakespeare at the library. I'm going to quiz you on it next week. And so I had to start reading, you know, Romeo and Juliet and Shakespeare and all that stuff. And, and, um, I didn't really dig it, but I did it cause he told me, you know, and that, that got my mind off of running a little bit. So that's so, yeah. fascinating. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why he chose that. I think he just probably just pulled it just out of, picked. out of nowhere, but he was into that, you know, he was into classical literature and, and he was, he's a very culturally, you know, uh, educated individual. So yeah. it was a fun conversation. And like I said, I'd love to have that bus ride back, but you know, it was a long time ago. So yeah. I'm picturing when we were in high school, well, you, it might've been cassette 
Walkmans. Yep. For me, it was Discmans. Kids walking <laughs> yeah. around with Discmans. I'm glad you didn't say eight tracks because I'd be like, <laughs> oh, I'm not quite that old yet. But that was a cassette tape. It yeah. was cassettes, right? Because I yep. don't know when Discmans came out. But for me, I remember going for a run, trying to go for runs carrying my Discman, <laughs> like yeah. trying to get it to not skip. Yeah, you went from the Walkman to the disc. Better sound quality, but but you know you didn't have that. You know you can't run. You it bounces. Yeah. Exactly. And then now I you know I just discovered Spotify. So I mean, oh, hey, so problem good. solved there, huh? Yeah. So. Now all the kids have their own phones. Yeah. I I wish we had iPods these days. Like nobody has iPods anymore, and I want I don't want my kids to have phones yet, but they love music, and I'm like they need yeah. an iPod. Absolutely. I loved my little iPod mini. I took it everywhere when I ran for a while, and now it's outdated. So And they totally. don't sell them anymore, literally. Yeah. Well, maybe you can get one at some entertain mart or thrift shop, but That's I, I true. don't know if you have the I don't know if you have the software to support it now, but right. yeah. Very oh cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel like I could ask you a ton more coaching questions, but yeah. here we are at the end. All right. Yeah. Um, it's been fun. I do have a couple into podcasts that I ask everybody. Sure. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you have not done yet? Something professionally or personally that I'd like to do that I haven't done yet. Um, well, I will stay off uh, how I'd like to do this year uh, cross-country-wise. Okay. So stay away <laughs> from that. Um, something I'd like to do professionally. Um, man, that's a really good – so, like, just in my career? Yeah, um, sure. Well, I mean, obviously, um, I want to keep coaching. You know, I, yeah. I think I've got about another 10, 12 years or so. Um, and for my age, that's quite a long time. But I, I really feel like I'm getting better at it, um, mm -hmm. even at 56. So I'd like to give it more time. Um, so I'd really like to do that. And it might drive my family nuts, but they're, they're very supportive. It's just, you know, the coaching lifestyle is not easy. Um, you know, and I would like to, at some point when I do retire, I would like to, to find a career like working in, in something completely different than education, you know? So I haven't quite found what that is, but we'll see. I, I don't think I ever want to retire to a golf course or, yeah. you know, to a boat. I, I think I'd like to do that stuff, but I, I'd like to do, can you do doing something meaningful? So hopefully that answers your question. You know, just. Does that just, like feel weird to you even? I mean, I know you said 12 years away and yeah. we didn't even cover that you are a teacher teacher as well. That's correct. Yeah. I'm in my classroom right now. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, does that feel weird talking about? Because like growing up, I always remember like hearing about people's retirement parties and things like that. But it's like, oh, man, that means a whole lot of things. How do you even yeah. feel talking about that? Well, I mean, most of my colleagues are retired. You know, like okay. the guys I started with coaching with and gals. Actually, there's a lot. They're all retired. And so or not all, but most. Um um, it doesn't really feel weird. I, I've always been a good individual, like with restarts, okay. you know, I, I've, I don't know what it is. Something about the way I was raised or something. I, I always do pretty well, like, um, with new territory, whether it's a new school or, um, and I don't know, like, I think being an older teacher in a way feels like new territory because mm. it's yeah. more technology. A lot of people are daunted by that. And, it's not like I see the positives in it every single day. I'm not like nauseating like that, but I mean, I feel like I do pretty well. I, I it probably, it's just, just maybe my parents taught me to be a survivor, you know? And, um, so I don't know. It, it's kind of fun, you know, in that aspect of it, like it's totally different. The profession is and the athletes and the students are totally different than when I started. Um, 
and so I don't know. Part of it is I just do do well in new territory. But, uh, you know, as far as retirement goes, um, I don't know. I guess I, I just don't really – it does sound nice to be able to sleep in and maybe go fishing, but I'm not re- – I, I don't know. I think if I did it every day, it would probably make it way less fun. And, you can do uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, I think I'm going to just keep keep the, you know, pedal to the metal. So, so yeah. Uh, best most recent book you've read. Well, you've mentioned quite a few books in this episode, though. Okay. Well, right now I'm reading. Um, well, I just read The Two Towers by J.R.R. Tolkien. So I do try to read fiction. I read mostly nonfiction, but I read The Two Towers, and that was really good. Um, and just to read read that, I'm reading The Return of the King. So I guess I'm on a Tolkien binge now. But every night, just hit five to ten pages of it. Makes for a long journey <laughs> right but right that's where i'm at now but i also read steve magnus's science of running this this summer and i reread daniel's running formula just to you know try to get you know fine-tune it learn a little bit more so hopefully that answers your question and then what is your last message to leave with our audience today Ooh, um last message to leave with the audience i guess it would be you know um don't stop growing as a person like whatever you're doing, um, I think that's really key. And uh, whatever it is, whatever hurdle, you know, you're trying to get over or whatever your job looks like or, or I don't know, whatever, whatever your situation is, there's always room to grow. And there's always people that have walked through it before you and, and definitely lean on them as mentors and as friends. But, uh, you know, uh, I like that little cartoon. My kids watched it, um, uh, Meet the Robinsons. You know, uh-huh. and the kid, you know, he doesn't have life easy. Right. But but he, the constant theme is keep moving forward. And there's just a lot of truth in that. And so I always just say that when I've had a bad day is I always think of that little character and meet the Robinsons and just, you know, hey, just keep moving forward. Pretty simple. You know, so that's how I guess I could leave it. Keep moving forward. Thank you so All much, right. Chuck. Oh, it was fun. Thank you for having me. Really appreciated it. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Thank you, V.O2, for supporting this series. Y'all go to V.O2.com and use the code Coach Lindsay to get 20% off your annual subscription. We will see you this Friday over here on I'll Have Another with another regular Friday episode. Have a great rest of your day, friends.